Turn with me to the scriptures, the book of Hebrews, please. We have three short readings. Three short readings. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at sundry times and divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Turn over with me, please, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, just a couple of verses. Verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And our third reading is in Hebrews chapter 9, please. Hebrews chapter 9. And just one small verse, verse 27, well-known verse. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. I'll read that one again. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Let's pray. Father, take your word now and settle every one of us and take your word and print it upon our minds and inscribe it in our hearts and help us know the truth of thy word. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name, if there's one who has not yet come to saving faith, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to speak to their life and save them for time and eternity. If there's one who is backslidden in heart, we ask you, Lord, to quicken them and draw them back again. If there's one, Lord, who is cold and indifferent, we ask your Holy Spirit to minister to them and strangely warm them. And for your people, we pray that you would build them up upon their most holy faith and glorify the Son of God and his wonderful name. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our title this evening is An Appointment with the Appointed One, Part 2. Now, if you have missed Part 1, it's online, it's in iTunes, and you can download it on our church Facebook page. It's all over the place. You can get it on CD, of course, free of charge. And if you like one, you can get one. But this is Part 2, and it's very important for me to tell you about Part 1 and to tell you some of the wonderful truths that in today's Pentecostal and evangelical circles have really taken what this book was about and mixed it up something terrible and have not come to know what this book was written for, whom this book was written about, and what it can mean in application to you and I in 2013. You see, we have the book of Hebrews last week, I've told you. 
that the book of Hebrews was written to those who came from Judaism and received Christ as their Savior, or they had heard of Christ and started to follow along the lines of what are these apostles preaching about? And they profess Christ even to some degree, but the depth of their experience with Christ, I don't know. But one thing about it is this, that when trial and trouble and hardship and persecution and tribulation came, these Jews or those who had come from the religion or system of Judaism professing Christ, they started to win from Christ or from the things that they had heard and turn again to Judaism. Now, I'm in for a hiding to nothing. But at the end of the day, Pentecostals especially are bringing Jews to be Jews again in what's known as a future rebuilt Jewish temple with sacrifices and offerings and oblations because of a mixed-up, twisted, turned-around doctrine known as futurism, which causes or says there will be a temple and there will be sacrifices after a so-called secret rapture of the church. Now, let me tell you, I'm a Jesus-only man. I'm Jesus, Jesus only. No sacrifices and no oblations, no good works, no good personage, no denominationalism in the year 2013. To me, I am Jesus, Jesus only, and no one and nothing else. Doesn't matter who we are, where our standing is, the Bible teaches us that it's only in Christ and in Christ alone can a man or a woman, a boy, a girl, no matter your age, when the Holy Spirit regenerates a heart and quickens a man, a woman, a boy or a girl, only then can you be saved. I hear preachers saying it's easy to be saved. It's not easy to be saved. It's impossible to be saved without the Holy Ghost. Yet we're told in a future secret rapture, the Holy Ghost goes up with the church and men are going to go forward preaching a gospel without the Holy Spirit. People will be saved without the blood of Jesus, but through the sacrifice of their own lives and their own blood and animal blood. Now that is a blasphemy to the name of the Lord in my eyes. Christ and Christ alone saves a man and a woman. So this book was written to tell these people who had come from Judaism, don't turn back to this religion. This religion was not the, the religion which the Israelites had in the wilderness. This was nothing like those, uh, the, the temple or the tabernacle worship under Moses. It had become mongrelized and twisted and deformed through men's doctrines and man's commandments. 
And that's why Jesus said to the Pharisees, ye are off your father, the devil. And that's why Jesus also said to them that they teach the traditions of men and the commandments of men over the weightier matters of the law that was given to Moses in the wilderness. In other words, you're not right before God. Teaching that 613 commandments must be kept 613 commandments of man's commandments must be kept in order for salvation. Jesus came and Jesus said these words to them. Now listen to what he says. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. In other words, the whole Old Testament scriptures and the prophets, he says, all of it testifies of me, the Christ of God. Outside of Christ, unashamedly and unreservedly, on a hiding to nothing, I don't care. Outside of Christ, there is no salvation and no remission of sin. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter religion you are, no matter what side of the fence you're from, no matter what foot you kick with, there is no salvation outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how hard you try, no matter how good you think you are, no matter how rich you are, or how poor you are, or how humble you try to be, it's Christ and Christ alone that brings salvation to the heart of a man and a woman. It's only in Christ. The book of Hebrews was written to tell these people Christ is in all excellency, all excellency superior than everything else. We looked at that last week, but here are just a brief snapshot. A brief snapshot of why the book of Hebrews was written. First of all, Christ is greater than the prophets. This book declares that the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than all the prophets. All those Old Testament prophets, Christ is greater, meaning he is more than a prophet. Our first reading, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Notice here he has spoken on to our fathers in Israel. Then he says, and he spoke by the prophets. Now I notice this in verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. In other words, all the culmination of those prophets, to him give all the prophets witness, says the writer in the book of Acts. And we looked at this last week, how Christ is greater than the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Notice, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And last week we told you that he who is appointed is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the appointed one of the Father. Secondly, tells us and tells them that Jesus is greater than the angels. We looked at it last week 
Verses 4 to 7 of chapter 1 tells us, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be unto him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. The writer says, You're going back to dead Babylonian lifeless religion. He says, but here is the one who created the angels and whom angels worship. Jesus is greater than the angels. Thirdly, Jesus is greater than Moses. Look at our second reading in chapter 3, please. And verse 3, or verse, let's read verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that, notice, appointed him. Christ was faithful to his Father for his appointed apostleship and high priestly ministry and all the things that the Father had appointed him to fulfill and to do. As also Moses was faithful to his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Notice it is that Moses was part of the house, the church in the wilderness, then the day of Pentecost, and the church in the upper room, the called out ones. Moses was part of this, but Christ is the head of all of it. So Christ is greater than Moses. Fourthly, Christ was greater than Joshua. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 13 tells us, but listen to what verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise of being left off, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For if Jesus, that is Joshua, had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. That word Jesus is the word for Joshua who led Israel into Canaan land. And it says that Jesus is greater than Joshua and also Jesus' rest that he gives to you and I is greater than the rest that Joshua gave in Canaan land. Fifthly, Jesus is greater than the Aaronic priesthood. Hebrews 7 and 17, the cry is, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, Jesus, his high priestly ministry in the glory for you and me never dies, never ends, and never fails. That he is the sinless, spotless, impeccable son of God who is in the glory praying for you and me this evening. This is the idea that he is greater than Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. Sixthly, Jesus had a more excellent ministry and a better covenant. Hebrews 8 and verse 6 tells us that he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established for us upon better promises. In other words, the new covenant of the cross of Calvary is a greater covenant than the very law and the commandments that Moses was given when they were in, that is, Israel were in the wilderness. And I in Christ, you and I, have so much more promises and blessings, for in him the promises of a God are yea and amen. It's all in Christ. Christ is greater. Next 
Jesus had a greater sanctuary. In Hebrews chapter 9, if you want to turn with me quickly, first one says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine services in a worldly sanctuary. In other words, there was a taste of heaven upon earth when the glory came upon the tabernacle, then the temple which was built after it. In other words, it was only when God came, the place was sanctified. It was only when God came, the place was holy. And you see, the thing is, in Christ, we are the sanctuary of God. For in you, brethren, in you, sisters, who know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost lives in you and resides in you. And Christ has a greater sanctuary headquarters. He is the man who stands in heaven interceding for you and I. That's why the book of Hebrews was written. That's why he's saying, look, what are you going back to? Where are you going to go to? Backslider, what would you go to? What is greater than Jesus? What is better than Jesus? What is more satisfying than Jesus? Who can cheer the heart like Jesus? There's none like him. Where else would we go, Peter says, for thou hast the words of eternal life. So last week we looked at all of these. Jesus is greater than than the prophets, greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than the rest that Joshua give. His priesthood is greater than Aaron's. His covenant is better than the old. His sanctuary is greater than the earthly or the worldly. His sacrifice is also greater because the animal sacrifice, when the temple curtain was rent from the top to the bottom, and man was no longer separated from God, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, hanging upon the cross, his side was riven with a a Roman spear, and we're told that since the blood flowed, that you and I can be reconciled to God again, and you and I can know Almighty God as our own Lord and personal Savior in Christ. It's all in Christ. His sacrifice is the one time, once for all, never to be repeated. It's not a mass. It's not a mass where it is said to be the body and the blood and the the sinew, the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ, as one holds up a, a wafer disc of flour and water and hocus pocus. It's nothing to do with that. Neither is it in anything that any organized religion can give us. It's in the living Christ and in his sacrifice on Calvary's tree. It's all in Jesus. Not in a Protestant religion, and it's not in a Catholic religion, and it's not in Judaism. It's only in a person. It's all in Jesus. I want to jump over the pulpit. It's all in Christ. You see, when He is center of the life, the life is different. And when He's center in the heart, your heart is different. And all other things pale into insignificance before the Lord Jesus Christ. Changes your desires. Changes the things that you used to do, you don't want to do. People say, I can't do it. You, you don't want to do it. Because he lives in you. He lives in you. So all of those things, Jesus is greater. That's my introduction for this evening. <laughs> I want to look at a couple of brief points. You'll be glad to know that was a long introduction. and We'll be 
Not too long, okay? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 tells us this. And as it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, after the death of men, the judgment. Now I want to read it again. And as it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. You see, we have an appointment. Every one of us should the Lord tarry. And it's called Dr. Death. This is what I had written sitting in my study. Death is the door to the office of the appointed judgment. And whether it was someone who died crying and begging for the blood of Jesus to crucify him, and, and they were led to rest, or someone at the Reformation, or someone just this week, or someone this morning. When Christ returns, there will be two resurrections, one at his return, and another at the end of a thousand-year millennium reign. Which one will be your appointed time. God will call up the dead. We'll all stand before God. For example, Jesus is the appointed one. We have read it in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, that God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He has appointed Christ heir of all things. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Who was faithful to him that appointed him. Christ was, a faith, was faithful in his appointment. And you and I have an appointment. I want to look for a moment at those who don't know the Savior who are still rejecting Christ, the appointed one. He was the appointed prophet. He was the appointed leader. He is the appointed priest. He is appointed messenger of the covenant. He is the appointed sacrifice and final offering to God for sins. He is the appointed redeemer and the appointed savior. The appointed one who does all things well, who kept that which we could not keep and lived a life we could not live and died in our place as our substitute where you should have been and I should have been, and now you're still rejecting Christ as Savior. I want to speak to you for a moment. I want to show you your appointment. I want to show you your appointment. This appointment is a reminder to all who are still rejecting Christ and who die in that condition. And this appointment will not miss you. And you will not miss this appointment. You won't be late for this appointment either. An appointment you cannot postpone, for it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 and verse 31. Listen to this carefully. Because he, that is the Father, hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, the appointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, the Son of God, 
who he, the Father, hath ordained. There's a day and an appointment for you. There's a day and an appointment for you. I want you to flick with me. I want to show you the second resurrection appointed day in the book of Revelation. For those who don't know, the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And in chapter 20, we are given a wonderful picture, a revelation, and a view of these things. This might seem sober and solemn, but I'm telling this because I care and because I love you. Let's read Revelation chapter 20. Just a few verses, please. Just in the meantime, we'll come back to this God willing in a few moments. Let's read verse 11. John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and the grave, hell, it says, that's the grave, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Just let that sink in. The Bible said that, not some crazy country preacher blew in from the city. The Bible says that's your appointment. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted in his finished work in Calvary's tree, there is your appointment, I'm afraid. It tells us that the dead, I saw the dead as small and great. Do you ever wonder, how did he know they were dead? Because they're living here. How did he know they were dead? Because they're standing here. Obviously, there's some sort of life here. Obviously, they've died and now they're resurrected. And how did he know they were dead? Was it just revelation of the Spirit? I don't believe they stood with decay. I don't believe that. Maybe it was their dress sense. (laughs) But it couldn't be. It would have rotted off. The Holy Ghost has wing to John's heart. These people are the dead outside of Jesus. Small and great doesn't mean to say tall and small. It means those who had prowess and riches and those who didn't, all manner of people. And this was their appointment. For those who are saved, born again, trusting in the blood of Jesus, relying and leaning on the appointed one for their salvation, I have some news for you. 
That is not, I'll say it again, that is not the appointment that you will be keeping. You will not be there. Praise God. Praise his name. And if you don't know Christ tonight, you need to receive him as your own Lord and personal Savior. And I don't mean mess about, you need to receive him. If God is dealing with your heart, you need to receive him. I spoke this morning of Timothy having unfeigned faith, unhypocritical faith, where deep down inside him he knew he belonged to Christ. And you must know that you belong to him, for it will determine where your appointment will be. Christian, believer, blood-washed, redeemed, saint. This is not an appointment we have to keep. It's not an appointment we will even see. An appointment that we are glad never to attend. As we said, death is the door to this appointed judgment. But also, listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9 says, For God hath not, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our church. It doesn't say that. But to obtain salvation through my denomination, it doesn't say that. To obtain salvation through my good works, it does not say that. You must obtain salvation. In other words, salvation is something received by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You must obtain salvation by coming to Christ at the drawing of the Holy Ghost. That you will come out from under the wrath of God that is already upon every man and woman. When you receive Christ, you have obtained salvation in Him and in no one and nothing else. Those of us who are saved, you are not under wrath, but you're under the grace of God. Praise his name. You're under the love of God tonight. I am my beloved's, and he is mine, and his banner over me is love, said Solomon. How he loves his people, and how he loves his children. Here is the appointment, believer, you will take, keep, and you won't miss. Here's an appointment that you and I will all keep and we will not miss. We won't be late for it. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and we'll read a bit. Time is flying and marching on. But sure, we're learning something or we're maybe we're listening well. 2 Corinthians, please, chapter 5. Bless the name of the Lord. Let your eye run down, please. Just for time's sake, to verse. Let's read verse 10. Here is your appointment. For we must. This is to the Christian church now. This is to the church of Corinth here. The called out elect of, of Corinth. Paul saying, now listen church. Listen blood washed. For we all must. Say must. We all must. We all must. Will you say it? 
Will you say it again in a minute? We all must. That's you, that's me, that's all of us. We all must, okay? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That judgment seat is not Revelation 20, the great white throne now. This judgment seat is known as the Bema seat of Christ. Gives the idea of games, and men are running in games and wrestling in games, like the Olympics. And you receive your reward for service, and receive your reward for an overcoming life. Or you receive your loss of reward, not salvation. You receive your loss of reward for how you lived in the body. You know what tells me, Christian, you can't live how you like. You can't live in sin and get away with it. In fact, the Bible tells us of a man who lived in sin and God gave him space. And God gave him space. And then God handed him over to Satan to destroy his body. In other words, Satan took him, but his soul or spirit was saved. God says, you're not going to defame my name anymore as a believer. Take him. Come with me. That's it. The spirit went. Boy, that's some stuff. You see, it's great when we're preaching to the unsaved. Amen and amen. There's going to be a lake of fire. You better get ready. What about you, Christian, living your life? Serious, isn't it? Isn't it serious? Serious stuff. You don't hear those things much now in pulpits. Sure you don't. Sure you don't really. Especially on the, the comedy channels there. On, oh, that's, by the way, that's a, a term I call all those Christian channels. Don't tell you these things. For he must all appear or stand before the judgment seat of Christ. This is actually mentioned twice, by the way. It's also mentioned in Romans 14 and 10. But we'll stay with 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. That everyone may receive the things done in his body, to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. John 5 and 22, the Lord Jesus says, The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgments unto his Son. So we'll stand before him at this bema seat and give an account for everything we have done. Listen to what verse 11 of 2 Corinthians says. This is why the unsaved we are so, or should be so passionate at reaching you for Christ. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Don't talk about that now. God's all love. God is love. I, 100%. He loves me and I love him. God is love. But God has wrath. And God has terror in the heart. Let's get the balance right here. No one will leave Donna Cloney Elam anyway and say on that day, your man never told us anything different. He told me to get on with it and, and sure can live how I like. No one's blood will be upon my skirts and my hands. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Don't go too hard on them. Don't tell them too much because, you know, may put them off. Paul says, you know what? There's a Lord 
And all the terror of him, he says, we persuade you, get right with God. And live right for Jesus. That's the way he's reading. I didn't come have you shouting at me. I hope you don't hear my voice, but the voice of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's what I hope. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God. Here we have, in our final conclusion of things, here is an appointment the Christian will keep, the blood-washed. This is an appointment that we will all keep a openness. And lastly and quickly, here's an appointment with the appointed one. As we are the overcoming, blood-washed, born-again, spirit-filled saints, are eagerly and earnestly desiring to keep with the appointed one, And it's a little verse slipped in to Luke 22 and verse 29. Jesus said, And I, the appointed one, appoint unto you a kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm appointing it to those that love me. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me. Flick the book of Revelation quickly and we'll finish with this. Chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. John sees a, a wonderful vision, a wonderful vision of glory. And let your eye run down to verse 9. All around the throne room in heaven. Listen to this. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And they opened the seals thereof. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue, and people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Christ will return, and we will rule and reign with him. Hallelujah. The kings and priests. Well, I was just a drunkard. I was a drug addict. I was a prostitute. I didn't live my life right. Listen, when you come to Christ, he makes you a king and a priest unto God. Revelation 11. Revelation 11, please, and verse, let your eye run down just for time's sake. Verse 15, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ or of his anointed, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation chapter 20. We're getting to the end. Two more scriptures, please. Revelation 20. Verse 1, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon and the old serpent, which is the devil, and the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. Here's the coming of Christ. He takes Satan and he binds him that he can do no more damage. Praise God. He'll not be laying sicknesses on your loved ones. And he'll not be making you cry. And he'll not be bringing depressions. And he'll not be hurting you anymore. And there'll be no more tears and glory. He'll be bound for a thousand years. There'll be righteousness will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The ox uh, 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 or the lion and the lamb will lie down together 
Christ will sit on the throne. We who are overcoming, redeemed, blood-washed, born-again saints will rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years. And that old usurper who tortures your mind And that old usurper who brings you down and causes you to go wayward from God and to sin before God, he is bound a thousand years. Hallelujah! Praise his name. Praise the name of Jesus. And he'll not destroy your loved ones anymore. He's bound for a thousand years. He was cast into the bottomless pit, verse 3, and shut him up and set a seal upon him. And he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. There'll be those who are in glorified bodies and there are going to be those who are going to need the eat of the tree of life to keep themselves alive. And Satan is loose because these people who not by faith but by sight have declared for the glory of God has been seen in all the skies and Christ in the midst of the throne. And he's now sitting upon the throne of glory on the earth and we're ruling and reigning with him. Satan is bound, then Satan is loosed. And those who don't really know Jesus but give lip service only, not from the heart, he will deceive them and uproar will come upon the earth again. But Christ is victorious over all. He defeats him and destroys him. You know why? Christ is justified in everything he does. There's not one of us, not one of us, and I know we do. I I, I have loved ones who who I've been concerned about, and I have loved ones who I have lost, and and have went before us, and they're in the ground, and sometimes we turn and we blame God. Don't blame God. Blame the devil. Blame him. Christ will be justified by releasing him in every man's heart outside of those overcoming changed glorified saints will start to turn their heart who know not Christ and they will be gathered up to this let's read it we have read from verse 6 before let's read it verse 6 blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection That's at the coming of Christ. On such the second death hath no power. See the word power there, by the way? Look, I'm keeping this a little later tonight, but sure, we're doing all right for a minute, aren't we? We're still not too bad. See the word power? The word power there is the word exousia. And exousia gives the idea of right, privilege, and authority. In other words, you and I who are blood-washed will rise to meet the Lord in the air. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and return with Christ to rule and reign. And we're told that that first resurrection where you and I who are trusting and serving Christ, the overcoming body who meet the Lord in the air, he says, when it comes to this place, point, part in time, this appointment of the ungodly and the unsaved at the, the lake of fire, listen to what he says, it has No authority over you. Hallelujah. It has no power, no privilege, and no license over the children of God. I got the watch. I can get a heart attack. I can get carried away tonight. 
bouncing out of my chest. Yeah. I'm excited about Christ tonight. I'm excited about him. You see, he is greater than all things. He said, there's one greater than Solomon here. There's one greater than Jonah here. There's one greater than the temple here, he says. And what are they trying to do? Oh, silly, stupid Pentecostals and evangelicals, let's build a temple and let's have reinstated Jewish sacrifices. And God says, it was finished on the cross of Calvary. Pet and fool, done and dusted, no more sacrifice for sin and offering. Right, I'm definitely closing. Listen with me here. Verse 7, and then the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of the prison, out of his prison, and I shall go to save the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to the battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And brothers and sisters, I am not going to read the rest of that because it's the great white throne. That's what happens. He is cast in. And all the ungodly and unsaved with him. Last verse. Last scripture, chapter 22. This is beautiful. Verse 1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. This is when there's a new heaven and a new earth, a renovated earth. I don't know, we'll be populated maybe in different planets right out to heaven. I don't know what we'll be like. As long as I'm near Jesus, I don't care. I don't care. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of it, on another side of the river, was a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations, that there should be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. Notice that. And they shall see his face. All of glory. All I want to do is at this place, the whole part and point in time, I want to see his face. I want to see him. I want to see Jesus, as the Greek said. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be written in, his forehead, in their foreheads. By the way, that's the same term as a so-called future Antichrist name written in their foreheads. Listen, it means in our minds, our teaching, our thinking will all be about Christ. It's not a tattoo or a microchip he's going to put in your head, by the way. And there shall be no night there, nor need of a candle, Neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And you want the things of the world over the things of Christ. You want to take these temporal things over the things that are eternal in Jesus? Is that what you want? Christian, is that what we want? I trust not. Look, we're going we're gonna to have to go home. We're going to have to wrap it up. If you're not saved, see me before you go home. See somebody, tell somebody I'm not saved. I need to get right with God. Who mind staying for another 10 minutes? Put your hand up if you mind.
No, if you mind staying. If you don't mind staying, no, that was wrong. If you don't mind staying for another 10 minutes, put your hands up. We don't mind staying. Come on up and sing again, Robert and Margaret. We'll have Robert and Margaret, and then we'll sing something before we go home. The Lord bless you. See, by the time I get to the States, I'm going to be puffed out. I'm going to have anything left. Praise the name of Jesus.